I'm gonna get rid of the battle within. Make peace with the enemy. You think I want this? Two halves of perpetual war. One game, and the winner takes all. I didn't start this game. You did. <laughs> what happens if I lose? I get to be in charge once and for all. Hello, friend. You've got mail. Welcome to Hello, Friend, a podcast all about Mr. Robot. I'm with Henry, and we're here to talk about episode four of season two, essentially called Init One, which is a term which references a booting sequence for Linux operating systems. It's what you do to start up an operating system. So isn't that fascinating, Henry? What did you think of this episode? Well, I, th- I think that it was aptly named in the sense that it was an origin story, right? Here we get the source of so many things, like the mask, the references, how it all kind of happened, how he ended up getting the job at Allsafe, how he and Darlene got back together again. It's all in this episode. I think the show's been doing a really good job of using flashbacks. Another thing I noticed, too, is... I couldn't help but compare this episode and this season in general of Mr. Robot to what's happening in real world events, because right now the presidential conventions are happening in the United States for those listeners who aren't from here. For 2016, we're having issues with people, the DNC being hacked and WikiLeaks releasing all these hacks. We have Leon Panetta, who first appeared in Mr. Robot a few weeks ago talking about F Society, and now he's in real life. The real Leon Panetta appeared on stage decrying the hacks that they're now blaming on the Russians, but who knows who did it. And then just the general upheaval that's in Mr. Robot with crowds chanting and people dissatisfied or at least expressing their opinions, right? And what's happening in real life with these elections. So do you see these parallels? I, I think you definitely are onto something. I think Mr. Robot kind of explores the way that ideas spread and like what or what are called memes. And I think unfortunately right now there's a meme of kind of insanity or violence or hostility kind of spreading. And people kind of copycatting uh things that uh have gotten other people attention and we're caught in this like vicious violence loop to go back to your point about it being a really good origin story not only do we see how darlene and elliot are reunited we also get to see the origins of quote unquote mr robot and the origins of where that mask comes from with this movie called the careful massacre of the bourgeoisie a pretend movie Yeah, it sounds like it looks like something that would have been up on USA's Up All Night kind of campy show that used to be on for a while in the 90s. Yeah, you're right. It definitely had that kind of kitschy vibe. And even Darlene was laughing about liking it. But you see the F Society masks first in that movie. And of course, that also harkens to real life because the movie V is for Vendetta is where we first see those anonymous masks or the Guy Falk masks that were used in that movie. And then that was adopted in real life, quote unquote. Did you catch the change in body language when Elliot put on the mask? That was kind of eerie. I think he that was a really well done scene. 
It kind of reminded me of Jason from Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, though. You're right. The body language changed. And it's like something happens when you put on that mask or a mask. It allows you to be something or channel things that you may not necessarily tap into. And I think some, there's something creepy about masks that have a permanent smile, like an over-exuberant smile. It's something sinister about something that's like fixed into a grin. Yes, I find masks and in general clowns kind of creepy. So I'm with you. And the Mr. Robot jacket was something that Elliot had saved and he went, wanted to show that to Darlene. And this is just before he takes the job with All Safe. And it's it's pretty interesting that that's where he gets the idea to when it all comes together to be their Trojan horse. Yeah, and it, this episode kind of made me of two minds about Darlene. One, in the sense that she saw this transformation happen with Elliot, with Mr. Robot. So the way that she kind of acts mystified or puzzled about Elliot's behavior in season one doesn't seem to completely make sense. Um, and also in this episode, we see that in some ways she wants Mr. Robot around. Like she benefits and sees value in him being you know, basically taking over Elliot's body. Like in some ways she's uh, complicit, right? Yeah. And even when he asked her straight up later on in the story, would you rather him, you deal with Mr. Robot, him or me? She said, you know, it's all about you, Elliot. I want you. But she wasn't that emphatic about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not, uh, it didn't give me the warm and fuzzies. And I, I don't imagine that it would have, given Elliot yeah and this is in this origin portion of the story this is where Elliot points out it's not the act itself of bringing down evil corp that is the real dangerous part it's the fallout it's what it's going to take to finish them off when they come back and they strike back and this was all being done to the musical piece spot called the planets by Gustav Holtz I shazam that <laughs> did, did you also catch the Neil Young uh, uh, Into the Black? Yes, so wonderful touches there with the music. Yeah, but they, I think they're doing a really good job with the music uh, tie-ins. And then we see this whole montage of Darlene on the train and Elliot in present time who is just trying to come to grips and figure out what he needs to do. The, the scenes on the tr subway where you would cut to Darlene and there would people be people behind her wearing gas masks and stuff like that. That's so typical New York subway. Like, <laughs> you know, people in costumes and stuff like that or whatever it is. Yeah, I really like this episode. Um, I feel like it really advanced the story in a lot of ways, but it also kind of plugged a lot of holes in our knowledge of the backstory. And uh, yeah, it was really, really interesting to me. So do you think that Elliot is in a mental institution or is he really at his mom's house? Oh, I didn't even think about that. But, you know, it doesn't answer a lot of questions, right? Because he, again, he's only in that kind of cell thing. Um, and then we see him in that guy's office and he sees that guy every day for meals. So if he's in an institution, that makes total sense, right? You could actually have meals with the same dude every single day at the same place. Yeah, it's just really suspicious to me that when Elliot is interacting with Ray, it's almost like Ray is acting like his therapist. 
or a therapist of some kind, although we did see Elliot with Krista. So it's very confusing to understand who Ray really is. He's he's really got a really awesome, cool exterior with this sort of menacing undercurrent. I think he's got, I think he's like the prison administrator of some sort. And I think, so this makes sense, right? He watches people play basketball because he's in an institution or some sort of prison um, where he can watch people play pickup games. He has meals with a guy at the same time uh, and in the same like you know spot, basically, morning, noon, and night because it's a cafeteria. Yeah, it definitely seems like there it's an institutional setting. And speaking of institutions, I found it extremely heartbreaking to see the FBI coming through F Society headquarters. It made me sad. <laughs> and that shell casing that they found, um, what do you think that is? What, do, what does that mean? Oh, it makes me worry that somebody got it. Like maybe Tyrell. That, you know, Tyrell kind of eat the bullet, so to speak. That would make me so sad. And of course, Dominique is the only one who seems aware of all the implications. The people she's working with are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a typical trope there, but the bullet shell is hard evidence, like you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I thought uh, that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because White Rose comes to the picture, Dark Army, and so they're going to learn everything the FBI learns. And so it becomes, you know, the the snake eating its own tail. Yeah, it's going to really have everyone converge. I think I figured out at least what Price's long game is. What do you think it is? Well, in terms of what he's going to do to dig out of this quagmire is they're going to replace the currency system with their own currency. Mm, that's interesting. Like e-bucks? Or e-coin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. When when life gives you lemons, right? Well, <laughs> it would be an interesting answer to the liquidity issues, right? Just all of a sudden be like, instead of 10,000 bucks, we'll give you 10,000 e-coins. And you can exchange them for goods and services at these following merchants, right? Yep. Mm. I mean, it seems, seems to be that's what was being alluded to when White Rose was complaining about price to her protege. It seemed like he was implying he's going with the e-coin solution. Isn't that something that really kind of staunch libertarians think could be supportable? Is like basically no national governments issue currency. Everyone just kind of trades in certain currencies and just uses multiple means of exchanging value. Yeah, that's definitely very libertarian. And there are probably lots of people in like Silicon Valley, for example, who think that and alternative currencies, as you well know, like that's probably why they're referencing Bitcoin in the previous episode to get people sort of experienced around that theme because White Rose did not seem pleased with what Price was doing. And I felt like White Rose's protege was a little bit snarky. I'd be like, hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) well i mean we get uh, glimpses into a lot of different characters uh and their backstories here in this episode like what do you think of white rose's relationship with his uh subordinate i think that the subordinate seems like the kind that you have to wonder if the subordinate wants white rose's job (laughs) so the way i mean they don't seem that subordinate they seem like they're tolerating white rose and 
because she has so much power. I still can't figure out what her motivations are and, and who she is in real life in terms of if she's going to these society venues, these private clubs we saw at the end of season one, is she also a tycoon, a corporate tycoon of some kind? Is that her day job sort of thing? Do you think the subordinate was somehow her like uh, a relative? Was it that kind of kiss or the other kind of kiss? I thought it was employee with benefits. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. But I have no idea. What did you think it was? I, I don't know. I it I didn't really didn't know what to make of it. Um, just a just a thought. Oh, and the whole idea of Joanna just showing up at Scott Knowles's house like that, I was sort of like. Scott Knowles does not have a sense of when he's in, in incredible danger. That guy should have not even dealt with her. That is so creepy. Yeah. Um, oh, her character kind of puzzles me. Like, I thought this episode was like the great reveal. Of, like, oh, she was working for her, the attorney all along. This was all her ploy. Okay, I get it. And then at the end, it kind of turns back around. And it's like, wait, maybe not. What's going on? Yeah, I can't figure out what her motivation is. Uh, for trying to protect her husband on the one hand but then she has her boyfriend Derek where she's basically I love you because you're just such a loser I mean she's awful I could not be around her the actress herself said Joanna's reactions are just so not human almost (laughs) Mm. I mean she's just out of touch with the right things to say she has no social graces yeah exactly but I don't know what her deal is. I mean, she's definitely hurting for money, so that's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I still haven't figured out where everything sits. Like, who? what's the relationship between her driver, herself? Like, it seems like they're part of a larger organization to some extent. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand what's going on there. It does seem like they're part of a larger organization. Maybe she's with a, a different government entity. Maybe she's a spy or something good old-fashioned spot yeah. who, who knows and then angela those self-help playlists really are helping her out i'm impressed angela like i can't figure out her motivations like at one point it seems like she's working with the attorney when she met with her and was telling her about what was going on and then at another point where she's meeting with price ceo and kind of saying what she had found i don't understand her motivations i have to give her credit at least she knows she's being used on some level so she's not super delusional where she just thinks that she's somehow a special snowflake. I mean, nothing against her because the way she's absorbed those affirmation, self-affirmation and personal development courses, it's been pretty effective for her. So can't, can't complain. And I think she's playing him at his own game to just keep the game going. Maybe. Well, maybe she's trying to play both ends. Like, in her perfect world, Evil Corp gets taken down, but not before she gets paid a lot of money and gets some nice things and protects herself. Very good point. And it's good to see that she, Angela and Antara are still working together. Angela has identified that there's one little piece that Evil Corp has been fighting to keep out of the public eye. And so she thinks she knows something major, I suppose. Third party inspections, right? The oh, fact right. that they won't they won't budge on the point of third party inspections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess 
uh, you would want to not let an outside party see what you're up to if you're up to shady things. So I guess that makes sense. Um, and of course, we get introduced to this whole metaphor of chess and Elliot playing himself in chess or Mr. Robot to see who who dominates and who's who needs to disappear into the void. And it's another kind of maybe a reference to AI, given that a lot of their early work around AI and Watson was around the game of chess. Absolutely. I was definitely thinking that too, especially at the point where it came out that Elliot was a game developer early in his programming experience. And the first thing he did was program chess, which was, as you're pointing out, is one of the basic things that you, I guess a lot of programmers learn when they're getting into game coding. And, and do you kind of make the parallel connection between Elliot's voices, a.k.a. Mr. Robot, and Angela's voices, a.k.a. the affirmation tapes? They're an interesting contrast, right? Well, yeah, because at one point in this episode, Ray says that, I think he says, you, you know, maybe these voices you're hearing, you're hooking into your divinity. And Terrell mentioned feeling like a god. And Angela also, I mean, she is tapping into some kind of higher source of, of power or confidence to the point where she got that Melissa fired, which good on her, man, or was going to try to do it. Actually, it didn't succeed, but it's true. They're tapping into these voices that are giving them direction and focus. All these different characters with different voices that they listen to. It's interesting. There was a lot of subtle stuff about Elliot needing to maybe the better course. Krista was kind of implying this, that maybe the better course of action is you're not going to get rid of your alters or your, you know, because Chris is treating it like he has dissociative identity disorder right you Mm -hmm. she wants elliot to integrate these these alters ray is kind of saying the same thing darlene probably also wants to say the same thing but she doesn't want to hurt her brother's feelings the chess game where they kept coming to a stalemate had more of a ai feeling to it to me yeah i i i really like this episode um i i feel like now it kind of sets the stage for what season two is going to be about which is uncovering a bit about this conspiracy between White Rose and Price and what Evil Corp's going to be doing with Ecoin and the FBI chasing down Elliot and Darlene and F Society um, and that kind of unfolding tension. It's going to be interesting. It's been a pretty cool season so far. I'm personally extremely excited that Elliot is back online he's no longer living analog he's back online although the way in which ray kind of ensnares elliot and then sort of threatens him about keeping quiet first of all elliot's not going to not dig because that's elliot that's what he does and secondly ray was so manipulative about getting elliot back on the computer it made me really worry for elliot's safety yeah i i think he's kind of like some like uh prison or a hospital staffer um, who has a little bit of authority. That's what it seems like to me. And I thought it was sweet that when Elliot was dreaming his future, where he started thinking, hey, maybe maybe there's something to this, listening to my inner voice. Again, these voices, as you're saying. And 
at one scene, Elliot apologized and hugged that guy from Steel Mountain, who he, who he was getting the tour with, to whom he was so mean. Was his name Bob? Something like that. And it was so sad, <laughs> poor guy. I hope they encounter him again. And then everyone has a big dinner in the street. Darlene kept using the phrase, in it one. And in it one is the most powerful form of initializing a, an operating system. That's like uber admin access to an operating system. So when she says that to Elliot, that's code red for Darlene. <laughs> right now, it seems like Elliot has access because he's quote unquote working on the guy's computer problem. So it's a temporary thing. Yep. Yep. And this is where Elliot starts learning all the things he's been missing. And the FBI has something called Project Bernstein, refers to the Bernstein bears, kind of funny. Then we find out Elliot's going to hack the FBI. That's what he's up to next to protect Darlene. <laughs> That's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah. Do you have any predictions for where the season's heading? Mm. No, not really. I have no idea. I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of uh, curious to see if anyone else is revealed to be imaginary. But <laughs> other than that, I just want to see how this kind of plays out. Same here. I mean, I kind of hope Leon is imaginary because he puts up so much with Elliot's crap that I'm like, I feel sorry for the guy. So I really hope he's an imaginary friend. So I don't have to feel like Elliot is the worst friend ever to have ever been in leon's life so uh that will be cool to find out if some of these people are just aberrations or if ray really is a prison guard or a therapist of some kind in an institution so thanks for joining me henry to talk about this episode four of the second season and thanks to all the listeners oh my god our subscriber numbers have gone up so much so thank you and thanks for posting on our Facebook page at Hello Friend Podcast. Henry, I'm going to go brush up on my chess programming skills and try to figure out if I can learn from chess, which was an early game of self-realization and growth and see what I can find out about Mr. Robot for the rest of the season. Thanks, Margaret. That was that was a lot of fun. I think it was the first time we've done a, a catch-up right after the show for the podcast. And I, I enjoy like being able to just go from the show right to the podcast. Well, All right. Well, that's awesome. I enjoy it too. I hope you guys have a great week. Until next time. Bye, Henry. Bye. Bye. <laughs>